Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Clinical Conversations from ASHP Official. This podcast includes discussions about therapeutics, best practices, emerging therapies, case studies, and other topics that the clinical pharmacist will find important in practice. My name is Vinny Dow, Telepain Program Manager with the Veterans Health Administration's Vision 23 Midwest Network, and I will be your host for today's episode. Joining me today is Dr. Jessica Geiger from the VA Ileana Healthcare System in Danville, Illinois. Dr. Geiger's practice interests include pain management, palliative care, and hospice. The views discussed on this podcast reflect the personal views and experience of myself and Dr. Geiger and does not represent the views of the Department of Veterans Affairs. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Geiger. Uh, let's jump into today's topic of how telehealth can support provision of clinical pharmacy services to patients in palliative care. Dr. Geiger, many patients, and honestly, clinicians as well, are unclear about what palliative care is. What does it mean when a patient is enrolled in palliative care? How is it different from standard care? I think this is a great place to start. So to start with a definition, the definition from the Center to Advance Palliative Care, or CAPSI, is specialized medical care for people living with a serious or life-threatening illness. And I also always like to highlight that the origin, like the root of the word palliate comes from Latin pallium, which means to cloak. So this type of care, palliative care, is whole person care. So I always describe it as a cloak around the person and their family, their caregivers. Um, And it is available for anyone living with a serious or life-threatening illness. This is different than hospice. I think that's always a, a common misconception is that they are one and the same. This type of care, palliative care, is provided to patients from disease diagnosis all the way through the course of that disease, which many times includes hospice at the end of life. So palliative care doesn't mean hospice right away. It is a philosophy of care that can be applied to patients with serious or life-threatening illness. So differences from palliative care and standard care is really the philosophy of how, how we provide it. It's It's provided by a multidisciplinary team. We focus on all different types of symptoms. A big focus is on quality of life. Even through aggressive treatment, we use aggressive management to improve quality of life for patients who receive palliative care. And like I said before, we focus on a lot of different symptoms, including physical, psychosocial, and spiritual. And we have different disciplines involved in the care to address those different types of symptoms. So it's really a pretty cool philosophy of care where we look at the whole person, not just one part of them, and help come up with a plan for for helping their quality of life and and comfort and relief of symptoms. So you mentioned palliative care teamlets, and you and I are both clinical pharmacists. In your experience, what is the value to the patient or healthcare system of including pharmacists on palliative care teamlets? Um, so as a pharmacist, I'm biased. I'll say that much. Um, I think we provide a great benefit, but let me give you some examples of that. So one of the things we can do is go in and talk to someone about their physical symptoms and 
once we know more about them from there, we could maybe make a medication recommendation to the team. In my experience, I'll share, I've been able to get information sometimes from from patients that they don't give to the physician. And um, I think it's just because we're a, a different provider, you know, so having many different types of clinicians in and, and talk with someone or call and talk with someone can really be helpful in understanding the whole picture of what's going on. The other things that we really bring to the table is medication evaluation and monitoring, making sure someone's not experiencing side effects of something that we started, or if we're going to go down the rabbit hole of treating a side effect with another medication and adding another medication to treat another side effect, right? So looking to see what what's on board and that kind of ties together with also the prescribing. So looking at their regimen and saying, you know, maybe this symptom is caused by a different medication that you're taking. We could trial stopping it for a little while to see if that, you know, helps resolve things. Additionally, we can help with um, conversions from one medication to another. We can help with dose titrations as we are trying to find the right dose of a medication for a patient. Uh, and again, for the medication side of things, rec medication reconciliation. So really finding out everything that they're taking, what they might all have in their home, what are they taking from OTCs and herbals, in addition to how they're taking their medications. And this can all be really valuable information to take back to the team and share when we are putting together a good plan of care for, for that, you know, for our patients that we take care of. So I think we bring a unique perspective to the team and we bring a different set of skills to the team um, that we're all specifically trained on as pharmacists. So I talked a little bit about, you know, all of the, the ways a pharmacist can help, but I would like to ask you what type of chronic disease management can pharmacists provide to palliative care patients? Yeah, you've you've mentioned a lot of great things about the potential services that a clinical pharmacy specialist can provide for palliative care patients. In regards to disease management, pain management is one of, if not the most important area where clinical pharmacy specialists can contribute. Data and literature shows that patients, family members, and healthcare teams consistently rank pain management as the most important component of palliative or end-of-life care. Uh, I believe a 2006 study by Kenneth and colleagues found that 50% of patients with metastatic disease and upwards of 90% of patients with cancer or advanced terminal disease reported undermanaged pain. I think for those of us who have treated patients um, in pain, pain is a journey and palliative care patients often experience dynamic changes during this journey, especially towards the end of life. This could be due in part to progression of disease, declining health, physiological changes, changes in their own goals and perspectives, as well as pharmacodynamic and pharmacokinetic changes. And as the pain, as, as the pain patient experiences changes and pain changes, um, so does the patient's pharmacological needs. And oftentimes, patients may require complex pain medication regimens, which can include complex opioid care plans um, with transitions, as you mentioned, from medication formulations and dosage adjustments. Uh, the clinical pharmacist is well-suited to assist with creating safe and effective pain medication care plans. In addition, pharmacists can assist to identify patients that may benefit from palliative care services, whether it's for initial enrollment or as a result of relapse and regression uh, of an uh, end-stage disease. And patients can sometimes move in and out of the need for palliative care services 
So there's this opportunity to identify when that need may arise again. Uh, pain is often a symptomatic marker for disease progression. And so pharmacists can also advocate for the palliative care patient to overcome the stigma of opioid use as goals of care change to something akin to compassionate care. And similarly, pharmacists can advocate for patients and overcome stigmas associated with substance use disorder treatment towards the end of life, which can be a complex scenario. I really like that you highlighted education, you know, there when you're talking about overcoming stigma and helping patients understand where where, you know, certain medications fit. So um, that's one barrier and a challenge, you know, maybe for taking care of these patients. How can we overcome some of the other challenges palliative care patients face in accessing care, including pharmacy services? Sure. For many of us who have cared for loved ones in palliative care and hospice, it's disheartening to see how disease progression can limit a patient's energy and mobility. Uh, Some patients already have full appointment schedules for terminal disease treatment, and you could argue that going to an appointment itself is a risk given um, patient fragility in many of our end-stage diseases. If our goal is truly comfort care, we should take effort to make visits as comfortable as possible. This includes delivery of health care to the patient in the comfort of their own home. You know, prior to COVID-19, health systems had already explored video and audio telehealth as a delivery model that could bring healthcare services to rural populations or areas with lack of accessibility to specialty providers and clinicians. I think the pandemic accelerated the implementation of this delivery model and demonstrated the benefits and functionality of care via telehealth. And so the outcomes during the the pandemic support telehealth as a sustainable model of healthcare delivery, even now that the pandemic is over. We know that the primary advantages of telehealth include convenience and access. There continues to be expansion and growth of telehealth programs. Thus, it is important for all clinicians to be comfortable and educated with the provision of healthcare via telehealth. But despite increased adoption, there remains a number of barriers that that kind of slow or impair the progress of telehealth. There remain certain procedures, exams that we simply cannot perform via telehealth. However, this barrier can potentially be overcome using some type of a hybrid model of telehealth and in-person appointments. More difficult challenges to telehealth adoption include regulatory and reimbursement limitations. Controlled substance prescribing remains restrictive as it pertains to telehealth, despite a lack of evidence that telehealth prescribing actually leads to an increase in diversion. Certainly, lower reimbursement rates or lack of reimbursement rates altogether disincentivize for-profit systems from adopting telehealth despite the potential benefit to the patient. This is especially true for clinical pharmacy services where provider reimbursement was already a challenging environment. This is one reason it's so important to have professional organizations like AASHP that can advocate for pharmacists and patients on telehealth-related issues. But the advantages of telehealth make it an appealing option to provide palliative care services. As with in-person appointments, though, it's important to ensure emergency procedures and processes are in place in case of a medical emergency during a virtual visit. Dr. Geiger, what have you seen in how clinical pharmacy specialists incorporate telehealth technologies in the palliative care setting? So first, I'll share about my own experience during the um the COVID-19 pandemic. And that was that one day I was at work 
And then the next day I was working from home. So we had to quickly adapt myself and the other pharmacists on my team had to quickly adapt to what can we still do for our patients now that we're here. And I think we've learned a lot of lessons from that, right? So we learned that we could, we could still have those conversations with the patients that I talked about earlier. We can still do all of those beneficial things over the phone. And we learned that we could reach more people during the day over the phone versus even in a hospital, walking from room to room or up a floor and then down a floor. Um, it also provided advantages to patients um, if they were not in the hospital and maybe they had a question, they didn't have to come to the hospital. And I think like you highlighted earlier, uh, a huge advantage in any of these telehealth programs that I'll mention here in a minute is that it allows us to reach more people and it allows um, patients to still get access to care, even if they're not feeling great or they're unable to ride in a car for some reason, or they just are feeling really terrible that day and don't want to get in a car. So we can really provide great care over the phone. So I reached out to um, some colleagues to just find out what's kind of a snapshot of what's going on. And I heard back from a few, and this this list that I have is not by any means, all-inclusive. I'm sure there are more programs than this, but one of the programs I'm aware of that is doing palliative care via telehealth really well is MedStar. Um, they they use a pharmacist-led palliative care model uh, where they reach out to, to patients and help manage symptoms, and they have a physician that is kind of working with them um, to provide the prescriptions if needed. Additionally, uh, there's a program in the, at the University of North Carolina Medical Center that they stood up in an effort to reach more of their patients in the rural population. They had they have a large um, rural population of patients, so allowing them to seek care via telemedicine uh, really helps with their symptom management and palliative care. Additionally, the Ohio State University um, in Columbus, Ohio. They do telehealth, and it's a lot of it is done by their pharmacist, which is really awesome, as well as programs within the VA uh, that we do via telehealth. There are um, telehealth palliative care programs, as well as pain management programs. Um, I did also want to highlight a paper that was published in 2021 uh, that was a pilot of pharmacist-integrated interprofessional teams um, to optimize prescribing in a telemedicine palliative care clinic. And in this paper, um, they demonstrated that a pharmacist incorporated into a palliative care clinic really helped improve uh, satisfaction, patient satisfaction. They were able to help with de-prescribing. There was a de-prescribing rate of 57% and pharmacotherapy implementation rate was 60%. So it really showed some pretty neat things that a pharmacist could help impact from um, a palliative care telemedicine program. Well, that's just a few. I'm like I said, it's not it's not everybody out there. I'm sure there are lots of other programs that are doing this very well. Also, those are great examples, and it's great to hear what so many healthcare systems are doing to bring telehealth into palliative care uh, programs. Well. I wanted to say thank you, Dr. Geiger, for joining us for today's episode of Clinical Conversations. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's clinical resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as resource centers, including those on critical care, nutrition support, opioid management, infectious diseases, and more. Other offerings include the Credentialing and Privileging Resource Center, 
the preceptor toolkit and forums such as the ASHP section of clinical specialists and scientists connect community where you can exchange ideas and post questions with your peers. Thanks again for tuning in and be sure to subscribe to the ASHP podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.